Hi everyone. I just want to give a little shout out that Business Barn Raising is now open for the year. This time around, we are really focusing on helping people who have been interested in incorporating hippotherapy into their practice get started. And the most important things to get started really are focusing on your practice location, getting all the systems in place that you are going to need to provide services. Those are things like insurance and contracts. And finally, finding the clients that you need to run your practice. And in Business Barn Raising, we cover all of these areas, both in lesson content format as well as supported coaching calls. So if you think this is something that might be helpful to you, be sure to reach out and get signed up. We will be starting in June. Hi, welcome to Animals and Aquatics. This is Gina, your host. I'm a mom, wife, occupational therapist, private practice owner, entrepreneur, and OT educator. And this podcast is designed to help OTs who want to work in unique settings with animals and aquatics. In this episode, we're going to share some of our strategies around seasonal planning. As an occupational therapist working with animals and aquatics, we need to plan for seasonal changes. It's just part of the work that we do. We really need to consider the seasons where we live, and we live in a four-season climate. So right now we're transitioning from summer into fall with winter coming up very soon, and really thinking about what those seasonal changes mean for our practice. We need to plan for seasonal changes so that we can be successful. It helps us to keep our clients engaged and safe. Planning for seasonal changes means that we can maintain their plan of care, even throughout winter or the heat of summer if you live in a hotter climate. That we can also plan for rest and downtime for ourselves. Taking an account to this seasons, we can maximize the benefits that we get from each of the seasons that we have. And when we're working with animals or aquatics, nature-based, you know, we're outside a lot of the time. And in our area, some of our therapists and our colleagues that work with aquatics, they're using their own pool that's only open for part of the year. So they really need to plan for that seasonality as far as the pool availability. For us, our pool availability is available year-round, but it does change seasonally based on the school calendar and swim meets. For our other sessions that are outside, We need to plan for the changes in the weather, the changes in daylight. We need to take those into account as we go through each season. Again, we have opportunities, right, that we can maximize for. And we also have things that we just, we have to take into account. So as we get started today, currently we're looking at a couple big seasonal changes coming up. Daylight savings time, right, just happen. And so That's a big one that really changes or the availability of daylight that we have. And so it means that it's getting dark earlier. And some therapists are fans of having evening sessions that are into the dark. And so it just depends on what your facility or what your setup is of whether going into the evening hours when it's dark out is an option for you and for your clients or whether you need to reschedule. 
So that might mean moving into different days, or it might mean rescheduling clients into different settings that you're working in. We're also making that transition of fall and looking ahead to winter and thinking about what that's going to mean for some of our clients that may not be able to tolerate the cold as well, or what parent education do we need to start doing now to help our parents understand what are some of the benefits of cold weather OT sessions, what are some of the things they need to prepare for, having communications around the proper clothing. That's certainly always a big one when we're thinking about planning for seasonal changes. And often we think about it from our perspective, but making sure that we're planning from the families that we work with and their perspective. You know, what do they need to have? What do they need to get ready? What can we source for them if it's heavier cold weather gear? What do they maybe already have that they're not thinking of, like ski wear that they could repurpose for our outdoor OT sessions? And our winter holiday school breaks are coming up. And so we are starting to do some planning around that as well, communicating with families whether they would like any additional sessions during the OT winter school break. So currently for us, we have some kind of immediate plans that we're making for the seasonal changes. But one of the big things to consider is really backwards. What is backwards planning? Well, it's starting with the end in mind and then working backwards. So if I give you an example here, when we start planning for summer, we need to have, we're thinking like summer programming, whether that's a summer camp, right? So that's going to happen the end of June. Well, where we live, we need to have signups open by the end of February or beginning of March. That's really the hot signup time for camp. Some start a little bit earlier, but pretty much by mid-March, most people have their summer camp, summer activity, summer plans done and signed up and paid for. So we need to have that done by March so that they can come in June. So if I'm backwards planning, then I need to get my advertising started in the beginning of January. That way I have a full six weeks of ramp up of advertising and awareness before signups open. So if I need to have my advertising done the beginning of January, then I need to have my marketing materials and visuals working on in December. And if I need to have my marketing materials and visuals and everything in December, then I need to have the dates and the plans of exactly what I'm going to offer done by November. And so that's an example of what backwards planning is. And why we do it is because it allows us to make sure that we're hitting the target dates that we need to for each of the seasonal changes. And it's really hard to think right now in November, and go, okay, what am I going to do in June? Like, what do I want June of next year to look at? But we had a very <laughs> funny now, but was not funny at the time, well, you know, our first year when I was really super proud of myself that in April I had my signups up for June. I was like, wow, you know, two months ahead of time. And we got, I think, one sign up. And another mom reached out to me and she said, oh, I would have really loved to have done this. Like, this looks awesome. And I was like, that's great. Like, why don't you something? She's like, oh, we already have our summer planned out. And I said, I, I really hope you don't mind me asking, but could you tell me a little bit about your, like how you plan for your summer? And she said, oh yeah. She said, you know, by January, I'm doing my research. So that way by February, I can have um, signups started. I need to have that all done by March. 
that way I know what's going to happen with our summer because some of the programs that I really want to get into are filled. And so I, I really start my planning early. And that was my first insight into how far backwards planning might need to take me, how easy it was to miss deadlines for things that I wasn't even aware were happening. And when we work in this outdoor environment and we have the seasons that are part of things, we really need to take that into account. When we think about that backwards planning, kind of always doing it. And this allows us to, again, hit those target dates. It allows us to be more successful collect, connecting with clients when they need us. We do it on a 90-day a basis. And so every 90 days, we're starting to do some backwards planning. We're looking ahead at each of the other 90 days throughout our yearly cycle. So kind of pencil in what we need to do. And each of our 90-day quarters, we have one sort of big event for each month that we need to handle, whether that's website updates or looking at financials. And this backwards planning, again, it allows us to be successful in meeting our goals. It allows us to plan for downtime and vacation. And it allows us to have things to look forward to, to communicate in advance with our clients. It really has a lot of advantages when we think about it, but it does require us to be more organized. It requires us to definitely be working ahead of maybe where we feel like we're at at the moment. And sometimes it can feel a little worrisome because you really don't know if the things that you are planning well ahead of time are going to work out. So sometimes it's having kind of an A, B, and C strategy coming down the pipeline of we know this strategy is working really well for us. So we're going to keep that going. We know that's working, but we also want to try something new. So we need to give that enough time to get the information out, to ramp up, to get the families in our area to have some awareness of what we're doing. And, you know, sometimes I tend to be a very jump all in type of person. We will give it a 90 day circuit and see if that works, see if we get some traction. And if we don't, then we can pivot. So with our next 90 days, we're planning for our winter period for us and thinking, of, you know, for us, January, February, March are really cold, long, dark months. And I'll still be seeing some clients at the stable where I have an indoor arena and I need to plan for activities that we can do when it's cold if we're not going to be using the movement of the horse as much because it's just too cold, we need to move into our heated activity room. What can I do with that space? What can I do to keep things fresh and interesting when we're not able to go outside as much? So I'm looking at a little bit of the intervention planning, which I'll be covering in our next podcast. I will kind of be doing a little bit of a deep dive into some of the intervention planning piece. But on a bigger level, looking at that next 90 days, right? We're going to be putting out our summer plans. We're going to be advertising a, a winter community activity that we're going to do. And we'll really be looking at what are our spring ramp up. There's a variety of different things that we're really planning in that next 90 days. Now, I already went through that backwards planning for our summer program, but that's also going to be happening because we don't want to get to April and find out, you know, that we haven't 
put everything in place where we can be successful. And thinking about seasonal planning, you know, we're, as we're coming into winter, we're planning summer. And then as we come into spring, we have thought a little bit about our spring ramp up. So when the weather starts to turn nice, we want to make sure we have our advertising and marketing materials out. So that way families can join us in the spring. We'll be expanding our days again. So that will open up some new spots. And it's nice to be able to help families move right into those spots. We know that some of our families who are moving either programming with us will want to come back to some of the days that we're opening up. And for us, since Ryan and I are husband and wife and parents and work together, we need to be coordinating that along with childcare. Who's, who's taking the kids on what day? What activities do the kids have that we need to work around, as well as any other work commitments that we might have with the college or with AHA? So those are all components that go into that planning. And again, already thinking now for spring, what that's going to look like. We've done our backwards planning for summer, but with our summer, we're going to start looking at if we're running daytime programming in addition to our regularly scheduled programming of like our individual sessions, we like to run groups in summer. And we haven't done a lot with summer camps. Uh, We've had, I've done some summer camps in different settings, but My big thing with summer camps is there are two things, I suppose. One is the commitment level. So if two kids sign up for your summer camp, like you're committed to those kids, they've signed up and you don't want to cancel on them last minute or even not like, you know, April, because there are limited other sign up opportunities, right, that are going to happen. And so the amount of staffing that you need to have to cover the hours that you're going to offer for camp can be significant. And unless you know that you're going to have, you know, at least one full week of camp, then that's always a concern I've had, you know, meeting the numbers that we need to meet in order to have the staffing that we need to have in order to make that be really be a successful program. And again, when we're talking about animals and aquatics, it's not a a one to three or four ratio. It has to be much more supervised. And so it's great to have fieldwork students, but I don't always feel like you can count on them ahead of time. So sometimes our forward planning, backward planning calendar is not aligned with the academic fieldwork placement calendar. And so I may not know for sure whether we're going to have fieldwork students. So I've been avoiding the larger summer camp types of opportunities for kids because of our team model and having to align everything with the team, organize the different facilities. And certainly if we had our own facility, that would definitely make that type of planning much easier. So we work with what kind of planning we can work with. And so groups work really well for us. We like offering groups in the summer when parents and families have more availability. And we can offer, you know, afternoon, but not after school hour types of groups We can offer drop-off types of groups for a little bit longer period of time. And we found that to be a really successful opportunity for us for the summer. So we want to make sure that we have that planning for summer. And then we start to look at, you know, fall of 2024, 
and what that looks like with the academic calendar so I can align my session dates, time off, and everything with the fall calendar. And we know for us that the transition between school, right, summer, and then school, family, seems, you know, that's a really busy time for them as they're getting into their new school schedule, or sometimes families can't confirm with us until they know their school schedule and their new therapist. Thinking that, you know, we just try to plan it so our session times when we're going to take a break and have our vacation is going to align somewhat to set us back up to get started, you know, either right after families have gone through that transition back to school. So sometimes we actually take the last week of summer and the first week before the first week of school starting off, and that wives can kind of get into their new routine, and then it allows them to move into our schedule more easily. And then that takes us back around to winter. So as we plan for each season, and the, the more we right, the better we get at it. And that's true for you as well. So when you're thinking about planning for seasonal changes in your business, first of all, you know, think about what your seasons look like for each of them. Write down some of the characteristics just of the weather, the availability of the animals that you work with. If you're working in the aquatic setting, is it an indoor pool, an outdoor pool, um, another body of water that you're around? And how does that change throughout the year? So even, again, though we're at an indoor pool location, it does still change um, depending on the seasons because of school. So we kind of sketch all that out just based on the outdoor availability component. Then we look at things that affect our clients, and that can be things like school, school breaks, temperature, like extremes in temperature can be challenging for them. And we know all those things in each of those seasonal quarters. Then we look at us and our family and the things that, you know, are important to us. When do we want to take breaks? When do we want to take vacations? When do we have other commitments to our other jobs that we work? So the college, working with AHA as a faculty person, conferences, things like that, our continuing education. And we start to plug all of those in then you can go ahead and start to put in things that you would want to try or what your kind of business metrics are. So we have business metrics that we're meeting for each quarter, for each 90-day goal. And one of those is a community outreach event. So put that in there for each of those kids. What would be a good one? And we've done Spooky Saturday uh, has been a really popular one, and that's an easy one for the fall thinking about, you know, a winter activity. Well, our winters have been very hit or miss as far as the winteriness of the winter. So we haven't really been planning a lot of winter wonderland types of events, but we found like a beach bash at the pool in the middle of winter is actually pretty enticing to get people out of the cold and into the pool and into the water. That's kind of a bit of a reverse seasonal planning component as opposed to summer when everyone's been in the pool all summer. And it seems like, well, of course, the pool goes better with summer. But for us, that doesn't work as well, right? Because everyone has access to it. Spring, I mean, spring for us is such a beautiful time of year. We all feel renewed with spring energy. We have, The baby goats are usually born early in the spring. So we usually do a baby goat group as one of our events around springtime. And, some, you know, it, there's a lot of fun things to do around summer. So we put in what our seasonal event is going to be that's going to help 
get the word out in the community. That's going to help celebrate our families and their successes. And those are all important things that we plan in. And then we just start to look at what those dates look like. And that really sketches out our calendar. And we, you know, every, every 90 days when we sit down to do our planning, we take a look at that and make sure that it's aligning with what our goals are for our finances, what our goals are for our family, and make sure that we're still on track for that. So I hope that's helpful to understand what our process is. And I hope that you can take a little bit of that and put it into place for yourself, even if you're new and just getting started. Or if you need some more support, certainly reach out. We'd love to touch base with you. As I get ready to wrap up for today, if you are a nature-based OT working with animals or aquatics, you really need to take into account the seasons and create some seasonal planning for yourself. That way you can meet your business goals. You can maximize the benefits of each of the season in your area. So for our counterparts south, you know, we have really, really hot seasons and you know, taking advantage of doing some activities that are a little bit different when maybe you don't want to be out in the hot as much, right? There are opportunities for each season that we have. So there's lots of ways to maximize the benefits of your unique seasons when working with animals and aquatics. I'd like to give you a little reminder that there'll be plenty of time to catch up on any episodes that you've missed during December and January while we take a little break. If this episode has been helpful to you, please like our podcast and leave us a review so that other OTs can find us. Thank you.